We worship you, Lord. God, we open our hearts and our minds. We live in a whacked up, jacked out world, God, and we cannot do anything on our own power. We need the dunamis, God. We need the supernatural power and presence of God to electrify, to invade, to flood our hearts, God. This world wants to take all of our attention, our affection. It wants to distract us. It wants to pull us away from you. But, oh, God, our hearts are attracted to you like a tractor beam. Happy Father's Day, Abba. We love you, mighty God. And so, Father, we just want to connect with you. We want to plug into the power source of heaven. Lord, so many times in the, in the Word of God, the fire fell. And in this series, in this, in this day, in this service, at this campus, in every campus, let the fire, the white hot fire of God ignite our hearts to such a bonfire that the world will come watch us burn and they'll meet the God that we love. Light us up in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, come on, give him a shout of praise as you take your seat. Woo! Wow, man, what worship. Man, it is so great to see you. We love you so much. Happy Father's Day, Promisers. We are so grateful. And men, all of you guys that are dads, we're just so grateful that you're here. We love you, man, with, with all that we are. It's so great that God is doing such a work in our congregation. I deal with churches all around uh, American and even some off our shores, and so many churches are sick. They're declining, they're decreasing, uh, it, and they're just struggling. They can't keep the lights on. We live, man, we at Faith Promise are living under the spout where the glory of God comes out. And so, man, it is exciting time. So we love you guys, man, we're excited. This series that we are launching called Holy Land much of it was, was filmed in Israel in our, on our, during our last trip. And sort of, the, sort of the, the theme is the fire of God. And it is about revival. Acts 3.19 says that, that those that repent before God, times of refreshing will come for the, for the presence of the Lord. And we're living in a day and time when we're desperate need of all the power that God has for us. Not some of it, not part of it, but all of it, because we're living in, a, in, this, in this politically correct culture where all roads lead to God, doesn't matter what you believe, the Bible says something completely contradictive. So we believe that there's one way, and his name is Jesus. And we need to get that message out. And I'm telling you, when we live like the New Testament says we live, we won't be able to build enough campuses to, fill, to hold all the people that want to come be a part of what God is doing and how God is moving. Amen? So that's what we're looking for. It's what we're praying for. Uh, as many of you guys know, my father passed away Thursday morning. I was in Bolivia with Zach. We were on a Compassion International trip, and Michelle got word, said, listen, you've you got to get home. Your dad's taking a major turn. He passed away Thursday morning, and, and, and I'm so grateful for all the cards and, man, all of the calls and emails and social media, just so grateful. But, but the thing that I'm most grateful for is, you know, we moved him into our house, and we've not been around him a ton. We moved him to our house, and we just loved on him. So you can't fight somebody to heaven. You can't argue somebody to heaven. You can't beat somebody to heaven. And we just try to saturate him with the grace and love of God. 
my wife and my daughter Faith and my, both of my daughter-in-laws, man, they, they just pampered and babied him and they were so gracious. Every time I walk in the room, he'd say, where's your wife? <laughs> where's your wife? What, what, what am I, chopped liver? Yes, please, send Michelle in. And so, but, it, but through that, he began to see the love of Jesus and, and, and my, even the last day when he couldn't talk, but he could see Michelle was just praying the Lord's Prayer, I mean, the sinner's prayer over and over and, and watching. And, and my nephew, Adam, who's part of this congregation, who's just a bold, bold witness, went in Tuesday night and he said, you know, everybody left and Adam wanted it just a minute with his grandfather and, and uh, with uh, his great-grandfather. And he said, you know, Grandpa Stevens, we have to know that you're going to heaven. And we have to know that Jesus is in your heart. And he said, Adam, don't worry. I've given my heart to Jesus. He's my Lord. I'm going to heaven. And so it couldn't have gone better. Thank you guys for the love and encouragement, all that. We're just so, we're, we really are just grateful to God. Now, as we go back to the Holy Land, as we launch this series, we are going to traverse thousands of miles and thousands of years. And we're going to go back and we're going to see some of the most significant events in history. We're going to go to Mount Carmel where the fire fell. We're going to go to the Valley of Elah today. We're going to go to the upper room. We're going to go to, we're going to different places and see where God's fire has fallen. Now, in October of 2018, not this year, but next year, I'm taking 50 more people. So the first 50 people that sign up get to go. And, uh, but if you, you want, uh, want information, if you'll contact my assistant, Gloria, she'll be glad to help you with that. But it is a bucket list, incredible, life-changing trip. And so every time we go over there, we shoot footage, we shoot messages, we do all that stuff so that we can bring it back to thousands of promisers who may, who may never get to go to the Holy Land. You're going to get to go to heaven. That'll be better. But you, you're not, you may not get to go to the Holy Land. So this, this morning... We are going to go with Micah to a very unfamiliar field called the Valley of Elah, where two very familiar champions fought one of the most historic battles that changed the face of Israel and history. Let's watch and see. This is where the champion stood, right here. In 1 Samuel 17, 4, a giant strides to the front of the fighting, moving mere mortals aside. His helmet and armor glisten bronze in the scorching afternoon sun. His armor bearer before him labors under the sheer weight of his shield, making his giant master seeming even more so in stature. The giant spear splits the thinner air above. His voice equally as powerful as he bellows a quaking challenge, piercing the heart of every Israel soldier on the battlefield. Because the giants in our lives, they speak to us. Why waste entire armies? Send one man to fight me, two men, to decide the fate of two nations. One man left standing, the champion. We don't know a lot of Goliath of Gath before this legendary encounter. We do know that Goliath is kin to the same giants that frightened the 12 spies of Israel generations ago. We also know that Goliath and the Philistines represent 
unresolved pockets of resistance left unvanquished by the Israelites under Joshua. We do know that the Philistines will make more appearances defying the armies of Israel in the sequel of Samuel. Now, David. We know a lot about David and the information is readily available. He's the youngest of eight sons, sons of Jesse, born in Bethlehem to the tribe of Judah. He's a shepherd by trade, skilled harpist by hobby, and an armor bearer to the first king of Israel, Saul, a beloved friend to his son, Jonathan. But here, here is where David became the David of David and Goliath. Even though moments before David was to have said to fight the giant, the bear, and the lion and live to tell the tale. But here, under these rocks where I stand, underneath the sand, moving my feet, is where he became the legend of David and Goliath. If you were here with us, and we would love for you to be you would see where the armies would have positioned themselves. The skirmish happened right here. The Philistines would take position on one side and the Israelites opposite them. And before spears were thrown, before shields were broken, before swords was unsheathed, a giant steps out and a giant speaks. We pick it up in 1 Samuel 17, verse eight. Why have you come out to the line of battle? This is Goliath speaking. Am I not a Philistine? and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be my servant. You shall be our servant and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. 80 times this challenge was spoken. This giant, this Philistine, Goliath, he served the armies of Israel for breakfast, fear with his morning mockings. And for dinner, it was shame with his tireless taunts. Goliath, morning and night for 40 days, challenged the Israelites. And Goliath is left alone on the battlefield. After 40 days, you would think, the Israelite armies have started to become uneasy. They are restless. They are filled with fear because no one has stepped out. No one has said, I will fight Goliath. We pick it up in verse 25. Some of the Israelite soldiers are saying, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he defies the armies of Israel. Surely the man who kills him, King Saul, will make rich, offer his daughter in marriage, and give his father's house exemption from all taxes. Little did anyone know it would be a young, untrained shepherd boy that's just come to the battlefield to give his brothers some milk, cheese, and bread. When David hears the mumblings, when David hears the fantasies being spoke by the other soldiers, we hear David and he speaks in verse 26. What shall be done for this man who kills the Philistine and removes him approach from Israel? For who is he to defy the armies of the living God? Perhaps envious of his little brother's courage or ashamed of his own cowardice, his older brother Eliab lashes out at David in verse 28. He says, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. You and I will fight giants our entire lives. And beware, heed the warning who you fight those giants alongside. There will be people in your life that will whisper in your ear, why are you doing this? 
Why are you here? I know your heart. They speak these lies into your life. We have to beware and be protect ourselves from our inner circle, our inner sanctum, who we let in fellowship with us. Now, if you can see what's happening, if you can be here, you can see by observation where King Saul would have positioned himself, King Saul could see Goliath. King Saul could hear Goliath. And now King Saul can hear the words of David. It reaches the king's armored tent. And now a shepherd boy. I'm not sure if you know, but a shepherd wasn't a glamorous job. This is a kid, the lowest of the low, the lowest of eight sons. He wasn't even invited to fight. He was just coming to bring the real men some food, some milk and bread and sandwiches. And now he finds himself in the king's tent. I've read stories, read articles of people when they go to the White House, when they come into the Oval Office, they can barely speak. They, they tremble because of the awesomeness of the White House, the men that have sat behind that table and they have a hard time speaking. David spoke with courage to the soldiers and David spoke with courage in the king's tent. This is what David said in verse 32. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant, I will go and fight Goliath. David knew that in Numbers, we talked about the Israelite spies many years ago in the book of Numbers, that God had promised the land and the spies go and they see giants. And Caleb, also from the tribe of Judah, says this in verse 30 in the book of Numbers chapter 13, let us go up once and take them for we will overcome. We are able to overcome because Caleb knew, just as David knew, that giants are meant for meeting. That giants are meant for meeting. But does this sound familiar? In chapter, chapter 14 of Numbers, the Israelites began to whine. In verse, four, in verse one, lifted their voices and cried, weeping themselves to sleep, complaining, saying, why has the Lord brought us to the land to fall by the sword? that our wives and children should be victims. Listen to me. We are not victims. We are not overpowered. We are not overwhelmed. We will not be overconquered. The giants in your lives are not meant to be battled. The giants in your lives are meant to show that the battle is already won. The, the fight that we're fighting has already been won. There is already a champion. There is already a victor. And it's the man standing between you and your giant. David and Caleb call us out, reminding us not only to meet the giants in our lives, but we are to speak to the giants in our lives. But before we can speak to the giants in our lives, we must speak to the fear and the doubt. David shook off the rebukes of his brother. Caleb refused the cautiousness of his countrymen. And David ignored the doubts of Saul. We pick up in verse 33, Saul is speaking to David. David, you are not able to go against Goliath to fight with him. You are but a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. You see, Saul was comparing David to Goliath. David was comparing Goliath to God. We have to stop comparing the giants in our lives to ourselves. We cannot and we will not fight. We will not battle against giants if we compare them to ourselves. But if we compare them to God, the giants will crumble. If you compare your sin to God, it will crumble. If you compare your past to God, it will crumble. There is no battle that he has not won. There is no fight that he is not strong enough to do. Stop defending the giants in your life and compare them to God. 
and you will see the power in your life. Now David's response to King Saul, just like Caleb before him, he speaks to that fear and he speaks to that doubt. I, in verse 36, David's response to King Saul, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this giant, he will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord will deliver me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Unlike Goliath, David knew before the battle began that the fight was already over. For the champion was not between the two men standing still. The champion would not be Goliath. The champion would not be David. The man between the two, the one left standing, is Jesus. Jesus is the one left standing. And once we have spoken to the fear, once we have spoken to the shame, by acknowledging God's victory, we are ready to face the giants in our lives. Now David, a kid, a shepherd, stands in front of an army of Philistines with an army of Israelites behind him. And this is what he says to the Goliath in his life. This is what David said to the giant in his life. In verse 45, then David said to Goliath, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you and I will take your head from you. Then all this assembly shall know the Lord does not save with the sword and spear. The battle is the Lord's, and he will give me into your hands. Now, the majority of us know the story and what happened next. In verse 45, what David spoke, so it was. Although the giants in our lives are already defeated, Jesus has already created victory for us all. We still need to speak to them. We still need to act upon them. We still need to speak to the fear and the doubt in all of our lives. David, of course, brought no sword to the battle, but Goliath did. So many of us, we see the giants in our lives. We see the weapons they bring against us. We should not look at them with fear. We should look at the weapons with fascination of how will God deliver you into my hands by his word. Don't look at weapons with fear. Look at them with fascination. Goliath's sword was never going to sever the head of David, just like the cross was never going to stop Jesus on his mission. A method meant for murder made a way for all of us to have freedom. The cross that was supposed to stop Jesus is now the symbol of our Christianity. The cross that was supposed to stop our Savior is now what we look to for salvation, what we look to for passion and courage and compassion. Now, this story is unbelievable to preach. It's unbelievable to read, 1 Samuel. We all know it. But if left on the pages of Scripture, it will be nothing more than a fairy tale. It will be nothing more than a tale we tell our children of Paul Bunyan. But if we apply a giant killer mentality to our lives, if we apply the faith that David had, the courage that David had, I don't believe David was without fear. But I believe courage is acting with fear present. Let me give you a few truths as we wrap up. David was able to face Goliath because of his personal relationship with God. 
Later in scripture, David will be known as a man after God's own heart. He had a relationship with God. He was intimate with God. And in his, in his most impactful moments, when the giant is standing before him, David leans on God. As Christ's followers, we are promised victory. We are promised abundance. We are promised forgiveness. But we live shackled. Because if, if Goliath were to win, if Goliath were to kill David, the Israelites would be shackled and would walk with their heads bowed down to the Philistine village and they would serve them. Many of us walk with our head down behind giants that we aren't even shackled to. Remember, Goliath says, if I kill you, you will serve me. So many of us are serving the giants in our lives. So many of us miss an intimate relationship with God. We pray a prayer of salvation. We believe that is enough. We worship him corporately once a week, once, twice a month at Faith Promise. We happen upon small group every once in a while. We may break open our Bible every once in a while. And then when the giants come, we don't know what to do. You don't know what to do because you don't have an intimate relationship with God. You don't have fellowship with God. David had fellowship and faith and a close, intimate relationship with God. What David also had was private victories to propel him to his public championship. David knew he had battled the bear before. He had battled the lion before and God came through. So many of us allow our past to imprison us. David allowed his past to push him forward and it says he ran towards Goliath. He didn't walk, he didn't wonder, he didn't tremble. David put his hand in his pouch and he ran towards Goliath because he ran towards that bear, God prevailed. When he ran towards that lion, God prevailed. God has given you all of the requisite skills to kill the giants in our lives. We're not fighting these giants just for you. We are fighting these giants for others. David killed Goliath with a sea of army behind him knowing he was their only hope. Faith promise, we are the hope of Knoxville. We are the hope of Blunt County. We are the hope for you at God Behind Bars. And it is time for us to stand up. It is time for us to no longer slumber behind the closed walls of Faith Promise. Feeling good, lifting our hands in worship for 30 minutes, listening to Pastor Chris bring the word and have no life change. It is time for us to personally open up the scriptures and read of the God of Abraham. Read of the God of Jacob and Isaac and David. Read of the God, the God of the disciples, that we have everything within us that we need to change Knoxville forever. People are waiting. Husbands and wives, sons and daughters, people that are frustrated and broken by this dirty world. And I believe giants are set in place so that God can get the glory. Goliath was sent. God knew Goliath was coming. And God knew David would kill him and that God would get the glory. And that two nations would see that a God of Israel is real. And when people see faith promise on that hill, when people see you standing strong in your marriage, being having filled with integrity, students, they want the God of your life. Those Israelites wanted the courage that David had. People need to want what we have. And if you wonder in this moment, you're not sure what I'm talking about. 
You want the God that I speak of. You want the God of this Bible. The campus pastors are gonna head up. We're gonna give you an opportunity for your life to go from darkness to light, from brokenness to wholeness, from sin, shame, fear, and regret to abundance and joy and a life filled, a life everlasting. Because that is what the Gospels, that is what the Bible promises. And I believe, faith promise believes that God keeps his promises. We are here in the Valley of Elah. Generations ago, David killed Goliath under my feet. What giants are standing in your way? What giants are holding you back? Is it the giant of salvation? Today's the day. Today is the day of salvation. We love you so very much. Your friends and family are here. We're praying for you. If it's your first time to faith promise, we're so excited you're here. If this is your 50th time, or you've been here 10 years, we need an army. We need soldiers. We need people sold out for Jesus at every single campus. If you're sitting there feeling like you don't matter, if you're sitting there feeling like, I just opened the door and people walk in and smile, they don't even know my name. That person that walked in and smiled, it may be their last time. They may have said, I'll come to church just one more time. But after this, I'm done. My marriage is done. I'm walking away. We all matter. We all have giants to face. Jesus paid it all so that we could face those giants head-on and headstrong. From Jerusalem, from the city of God, from Israel, from the Valley of Elah, we love you, Faith Promise. As Micah stood in that dry stream bed, that is the exact stream bed that David picked up five smooth stones, one killing Goliath and four for his four brothers. See, David lived in a day just like our day. He lived in a land that was full of giants, giants that are there to hurt you, to hinder you, to keep you from God's destiny, to keep you from the glory of God. And we still have them today. They're in front of us. They are there to block our path, to block our way, to detour us and distract us from God. And many of us have allowed those giants to, to keep us from all that God wants to do. It could be a broken relationship. It could be the giant of cancer. It could be the giant of insecurity or fear or doubt. It could be the giant of pornography or the, it could be any kind of a million giants that stand in our path. But one thing I know, our God is bigger than our giants. David knew that. Let me tell you why. We know, if you know the Word of God, if you've read the Old Testament, you know David to be the great warrior king. As a matter of fact, God said, I'm not going to let you build the temple. I'm going to let your son because your hands are covered with blood of the many wars that you fought. We know him as a great strategist, a great king that pushed the borders of Israel out to where God originally set them for the nation. Yet the reason David could do that was because before he was a warrior, he was a worshiper. Before he put on the sling and the sword and the bow and the, the shield, he picked up his harp on the backside of that Judean desert watching those sheep from his father, Jesse. And every day alone on that hillside, he began to pick that harp and he began to worship God. And that's when he began to write the book of Psalms that we have. 
And as he began to make those songs of worship and praise and emoting to God, the more that he worshiped God, the bigger his God became. See, if you're spending time with God and you're walking with God, you know God's bigger than your problems. But if you're a part-time follower, a part-time worshiper, man, you give God time. If you haven't, if not, then the world takes all of your attention. Then it's no wonder you can't defeat the giants. It's no wonder that you believe your giants are bigger than God. You've got to spend time in his presence. You've got to know the word of God that says you're an overcomer. Jesus said, I have already overcome the world. And greater is he that's in me than he that is in this world. God said, I am going to be with you always, even to the end of the age. He said, you're the head and not the tail. No weapon formed against you will prosper. God said, you are going to overcome. You are going to win. You're going to walk under an open heaven. You're going to be victorious. That's what God said. And we appropriate those promises by faith. But if the giant of doubt and fear is standing in your life, then you're afraid, like the Israelite army, to face down Goliath. We stand back and we refuse to move forward because of the fear that consumes us. And fear is not of God. Fear is of the enemy. Perfect love casts out all fear. God wants you to walk under and open heaven. God wants you to defeat every giant in your life. The problem is that we are comparing our giants to us And when we compare our giants to us, they're bigger. But if you would just compare your giants to God, they will be insignificant. And I mean, the giant of addiction, the giant of pornography, whatever that giant may be, let's smash the giant of doubt and fear with the rock of faith right into the forehead. See, Jesus was indeed the ultimate warrior. We've seen defeat disease and defeat demons and defeat religion. But he won the ultimate, the ultimate victory in the Garden of Gethsemane when he bowed before the Father and sweat drops like blood came out and he said, not my will, God, but your will. See, we win the war in the spiritual realm by surrendering to God and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Then the fire of God can fall. Then it'll be a volcano inside us and springs of living water, the Bible said, will bubble up out of you. The Lord of God will come out of you and power will come out of you when you surrender. Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. And then he was, he allowed himself to be arrested and crucified. And as he said, Father, I give up my spirit and his head fell on that cross. Every demon of hell thought they'd won. Every disciple of Jesus thought they'd won. His mother thought they had won. All of his followers thought he had won, even though he said, Three days, make an appointment, I'll be back. I'll be back. (laughs) And in the third day, that Easter Sunday morning, when they showed up, the stone was rolled and the living, resurrected Son of God who defeated the ultimate giant of death, sin, hell, and the grave said, I have overcome. I've overcome. So it doesn't matter what you're facing Our God has overcome. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. If you're a believer, you are already an overcomer. You've just got to appropriate by faith and look at that giant and say, I'm cutting your head off today, giant. You no longer have hold, no longer have sway. I am going to win in Jesus. Man, the devil thought he had my dad until we brought him to our house and we just smothered him with the grace and goodness of God. And he turned and said, I'm making Jesus 
my Lord. See, if you'll put your faith, man, you can win. We've got victory. If we could have a spiritual set of set of x-ray glasses at every altar at every campus. They're piled 20 feet deep of chains that have been released, of giants that have been killed. You go to celebrate recovery and thousands of people that have walked away from addictions, walked away from death, walked away from all that stuff, and now are actively serving in this congregation as victors, as overcomers. There are people that were business folks, men and, men and women who were giants, who were successful, but it was all about greed, and now they are, they are funding the kingdom of God. They're taking their gift as kings and queens and, and the ability to make money, and now they're funding the vision of God. I don't care what your, what your giant looks like. I don't care how big and ugly he is. Our God is bigger. Our God is stronger. And our God is able. And may, see, maybe you don't have a relationship with him this weekend. See, no matter what your, what your earthly father's experience was, maybe he was abusive, maybe he abandoned you, maybe he was a great godly dad. Whatever it is, we have an earthly, we have a heavenly father who is perfect. And so you gotta have a relationship with God to understand how big he is and how you can overcome. So there are people this weekend at all of our campuses that are ready to give your heart to Jesus with every head bowed and every eye closed. We're gonna pray a prayer out loud, a confession. If you're ready to have your sin forgiven and turn your life over to God and walk a new way, then would you pray this way? Say, dear Jesus, I know I failed. I've sinned. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. I give you my life. Be my Lord. Be my victory. Be my focus. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Let me walk under an open heaven and kill every giant. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Come on, somebody excited to be in the house of God this weekend. Woo! Man, this is going to be a great series. If you go on vacation, get online. Do not miss it. If you just gave your heart to Jesus, take the communication card in front of you, fill that out, drop the offering box, or take it to the next steps. Hey, if you've not yet become a part of the core, that's the company that committed. That's the people we know we can count on. Man, sign up for our Next Steps experience. It happens every second Sunday, so it'll be in July. Sign up for that. Find out what's going on and, and move on down the road. Hey, y'all think this could be a great series? And this is going to be the most super summer we have ever had. Ever, ever had. Tomorrow begins kids camp. Oh, come on. 350 children. I call that purgatory personally. Personally. No, I don't. The glory is going to fall. Boys and girls are going to come back transformed, filled, saved. Man, it's going to be. So if you're not a part of that, even if you don't have any kids, would you pray every day this week for Pastor Gene and all those volunteers that are taking your kids and giving you a vacation this week? Would you just pray for them? And then we've got our, our student conference coming up in a few weeks. It's going to rock the stinking house. It's going to be off the chart. They're going to be doing it at UT. It's going to be great. I don't know, 600, 800 students. I don't know. And then every night in here, this place will be jammed with students falling in love with Jesus. Pray for both of those. Amen. Again, we've got some great stuff. The rest of the summer is going to be unbelievable. Are you glad you came to the house of God this weekend? Amen.
Listen, don't forget, generosity as you leave, if you don't give online, about 80, 78% of our people give faithfully, generously to God online. But if you, if you don't, if you give, just give as you leave. And man, listen, next weekend, we're going back to the Holy Land. Are y'all ready? Be blessed. See you guys next weekend.